So I wanted to give, if I could, just one more very quick report from the Shepherds Conference. As you know, many of you, Dr. MacArthur typically starts off the Shepherds Conference by kind of hammering home one major point of emphasis that he wants to talk about that kind of addresses the church at large. And what he talked about this year at the beginning uh, session of the conference on Wednesday at 10 a.m. was the fact that pastors need to take theology back into the pulpits. And what he said is that over the course of church history, that theology has gone from, from the pastoral ministry into academia, and that can become dangerous at times because some academics get so involved in the finer points of theology that they lose sight of the gospel, to which some theologians today, self-claimed theologians, aren't even Christians, but they're liberal scholars that exist in liberal seminaries around the world. And he cited a couple of quotes that I thought was interesting, that out of all the men who wrote the Westminster Confession, a solid doctrinal theological profession of our faith back in the 1600s, there was 121 men. And 121 of those men were pastors. And then he stated, if you fast forward all the way to the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy, written in the 1970s, a commitment to the inerrant word of God, there was a hundred men on that panel that wrote that particular statement, and only two were pastors. And so we've kind of moved from everybody being a pastor theologian to theologians primarily with a couple of pastors. By the way, those two pastors on the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy were James Montgomery Boyce, well known for his preaching at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, and John MacArthur here at Grace Community. And so he was just challenging pastors that we've got to take theology back. We've got to take doctrine seriously. Yes, we want to do expositional preaching, expository preaching, which is what we hold to here at our church, but it also needs to always be theological in nature. There's a lot of churches that are growing, a lot of pastors that are popular in our world today, but inside evangelicalism, many of these very popular pastors are not theologians. In fact, what really draws the crowds to these churches would be their personalities or their illustrations or their you know, ability to be, to be innovative and to kind of draw masses to these large churches. Some of them may be faithful, but many of them are not built on the Word of God, but rather built on cultural attractions to get people there. So I just found that to be very encouraging to my own heart, very challenging to me personally. And with all that being said, that the message that I had prepared to preach to you this morning is not theological. Right, it's going to be, I'd say it is theological, but it's more practical in nature. So if you have your outlines with you, open up to our, our title for this sermon today. It's kind of ending up our very last thought that I wanted to include about training your children in the teaching and admonition of the Lord. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about school choice. So this would be a practical application to some of the things we've been looking at over the last few weeks. I've entitled the message, Educated Guess, What the Bible Says About School Choice. Certainly, over the last few weeks, as we've looked into this important topic of what it means to parent biblically, to be a faithful parent, one of the big topics that would come up might be, well, how do you parent your kids when it comes to schooling? Should you homeschool them? Should you send them to a Christian school? Or should you send them to the public school? And while we've touched on this maybe briefly in our series, we never addressed it Directly, And so I wanted to spend our message today addressing that very choice. And so whether you're here today and you have kids in school, or whether you're here in a college student, or maybe you're a young married uh, with young children and you haven't decided yet, hopefully this sermon will be helpful for you to consider biblical principles to help you make a wise choice for you and for your family. 
So pray with me and we'll jump right in. Father, thank you for the joy of being satisfied in Christ as we've just sung about. And thank you for the joy of thinking again about having our brothers from Mexico here and from, from, uh, from, uh, from Hawaii. And God, we're just so blessed to be such a small little church that has an impact on a great big world. And so I pray that today, God, as we zero in on this topic of school choice as Christian moms and dads, we want to honor you. So give us grace. Give us insight. And allow us to make the decisions that we make based on our faith in you, in the freedom that you provide us in your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, there's a lot of people who have a lot of strong feelings when it comes down to the issue of school choice, and rightly so. They're your children, and they'll spend 12 years of their life either being educated by you at home or in a Christian school, or in a public school. And so this should be something that we have a little bit of a, of a zeal and a passion about, at least to some degree. And we've all had our own experiences that have kind of helped shape our thoughts about our own convictions, about what works best for our own families. Sometimes we get really uptight in our thinking that we know what's best for us, but not only do we know what's best for us, we know what's best for everybody else in the room. And therefore, they should be doing what I'm doing. And because I've done it this way, that you should do it this way. And we've got to be careful this morning that we don't fall into that legalistic bent that there's only one way to, to make a choice about where your kids go to school. So I want us this morning to relax a little bit. Okay, take, a, take a deep breath. <gasps> Let it out. <sighs> no, this isn't meditative therapy, all right? But I want us just to relax a little bit because this particular topic can be controversial. We could get a little bit too uptight. In fact, we might even be tempted to defend our view to the death. Like you might remember that famous joke by the American comedian Emo Phillips. Here's what he said. Once I saw a guy on a bridge about to jump. I said, don't do it. Nobody loves me, he said. He said, but God loves you. I, I said to him that God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? <laughs> he said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist, I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region, or Northern Conservative Baptist, Eastern region. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region, Council of 1879, or Northern Great Lakes region, Council of 1912. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region of Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic. <laughs> and I pushed him over, is what he says. <laughs> so may, may God give us the grace this morning, right, as we look at what would be more of a secondary or a tertiary issue in the church today, and we may laugh and think it's funny that somebody could get so uptight about this, but I've seen churches split over this very issue. 
I've seen churches split down the middle to whether or not they homeschooled their kids or had some type of Christian education or send their kids to public school. In fact, while I served as a youth pastor in Houston for seven and a half years, there was a well-known pastor within a 30 to 45-minute driving distance from our church who made it a necessity to homeschool your kids in order to go to that church. And if at any time, as you were a member of that church, if you pulled your kids out of homeschool and put them in public school, you would be disciplined out of that church. So this is a very real issue that does connect with modern-day evangelicalism. And we need to make sure that we understand exactly where we are on this issue. And so I want to make you uh, aware of the fact that school choice has never been nor will ever be a primary issue here at Placerita Bible Church. To my emphasis, the leadership here has never purposely tried to recruit homeschool families. We have never tried to recruit Christian school families. And we have never tried to attract public school families. We have simply never tried to put together a brochure advertising our church as having a certain distinction when it comes to school choice. When I served as the youth pastor of Lakeside Bible Church, I would occasionally meet new people, new families in the hallway at church or out in the foyer, and I would ask them, well, I haven't met you guys yet. What, what brought you to our church? And families would say, oh, we homeschool. Part of me was like encouraged by that. I'm like, that's awesome. We have a lot of homeschool families here. I love homeschool families. So glad you're here. But a better answer might have been, well, we heard that your church stands on the sufficiency of Scripture. We heard that your worship's continued, uh, committed to exalting Christ. We heard that you guys have a biblical counseling center outreaching to your community with the grace of God. We heard that this church has a passion to take the gospel to all nations. I would much rather them come for something like that than simply just saying, hey, we showed up because we heard there's a lot of homeschoolers here. Again, don't misunderstand me. We love homeschoolers. We love public school kids. We love Christian school kids. We love all kids. Right? But the point is, don't let the emphasis be, well, this is what we do for school choice. Therefore, I'm going to pick a church based on that. And to my knowledge, the elders of our church have never sat around and written out a doctrinal statement about school choice. About the Bible, yes. About the attributes of God, yes. About the deity of Christ, yes. About the work of the Holy Spirit, yes. About man's depravity, yes. About the glory of salvation, yes. About the existence of the universal church and the importance of the local church, yes. About holy angels? Yes. About eschatology or end times? Yes. That's all in our doctrinal statement. It covers the top 10 systematic theologies that exist that ought to be discussed in some way or form in your doctrinal statement. But nothing, you will find absolutely nothing about school choice. Now, as a leadership team, we strategize about how to make our preaching more biblical and balanced. We consider how we can encourage our body to pray more. We want every person in our fellowship to become a member, not just a regular attender. We want you to be here on Sundays. We want you to be in a small group. We want you to serve faithfully, but we give no emphasis of school choice. We believe that that's up to you. We come alongside you, and we support you. We love you, and we will pray for you, and we will be there for you, whatever choice 
you make. We don't sit around as elders and pastors and leaders thinking about, well, how can we get more homeschoolers here? How can we get everybody in our church exposed to Christian education? How can we attract more public school kids? We do have conversations about how can we get everybody into a small group? How can we get uh, everybody uh, learning how to practice the one another's and love each other and let grace abound at our church? We do get together and make sure we're shepherding families properly and putting marriages back together again, helping people pursue purity and humility. But we don't get around and spend a lot of time thinking about how we should tell everybody what school choice to pursue. And so the obvious question we should be asking at this point is, well, what does the Bible say about school choice? And how can I make a decision that will honor God? And to answer this question, I want to give you this message this morning with three points to help you consider what is best for you and your child as you seek to glorify God in your school choice. And so it's there on the outline for you. If you're taking notes, the first point is this. Give attention and discernment to what the Bible says about how you are to educate your children. Did you get that? The emphasis in the Bible is not actually placed on the school teacher. It's placed on the parent. And so what we want to do is emphasize what you are to be doing. And let's look at, this is your first blank if you're taking notes. Let's look at some scriptures worthy of consideration. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This may be the premier passage that many people will go to when they say, well, actually, the Bible does say something about school choice. It says this in the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema with this statement that is an incredible encouragement to us today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Moses wrote this, and these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. Let me just stop right there. The words that he's saying about is not a school curriculum. It's not a course in, in world history necessarily. It's the word of God. It's the Torah. It's the Pentateuch. It's the first five books, including this one of the Old Testament. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them. What? Teach what? Them, these words, the Bible. Shall teach the Bible diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let me just tell you something. This passage is not telling us that you all have to homeschool your children. This passage is, however, telling us that we are all responsible as parents to love Christ, to love the Word of God, to bring it before our children as often as possible to point them to the love and the grace and the truth of Scriptures. And I believe this could be accomplished by every Christian parent and should be accomplished by every Christian parent regardless of your school choice. There's nothing in the text that specifically says thou shalt not go to public school. Right? The idea is it's a universal application for every parent about raising their children under the teaching and admonition of the Lord. In fact, turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 1. This is the other passage that many will turn to and say this is the reason. And, and by the way, if reading Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 1 causes you to want to homeschool, I would say praise God. Absolutely. These would be great verses to support the decision you make to homeschool. And some of the homeschool families this morning might feel like I've got an axe to grind with you. I don't. Right? We don't have an issue at this church, as I've already said, and we don't want one. 
So that's why I'm trying to just teach in a balanced way uh, some things for us to consider this morning. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So this morning I want you to know that it is possible for you to have your children in public school and still help direct them to not receive the counsel of the wicked, not to agree with by standing in the way of sinners, or not to sit under the seat of scoffers with the idea that you're attributing what they're saying as valid. But rather, you have the opportunity to rather delight in the law of the Lord and on the word of God, that you can meditate day and night. It is possible to be in a public school setting and to still fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. In fact, most homeschoolers, when they're done with homeschool, are going to go to some type of public school institution, are they not? Most are. I mean, many come to the master's college, and that's a great option. But most Christians in America, even those who are homeschool, end up going to public school at some point. So it's really just a matter or some type of public training of some kind for your trade. So it's really just a matter of time. Or when are you going to jump in? And so I have no problem, again, uh, with with these texts being applied to all parents, I believe that's the intent, to, that, to let, let us disciple and point all of our kids to Christ all the time as we see fit. Proverbs. Turn to the Proverbs, chapter 13 and verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Sometimes I'll read a verse like this, and so I've heard some parents say to me, well, see there, that's why I don't have my kids in public school. If my kids are in public school, they're going to be a companion of fools, and it's not going to be good for them. Well, that may be true, and that may be a good reason, actually, not to have your kids in public school. But it doesn't mean that your homeschool kids will be protected from being a companion with a fool, because we're all foolish at times. Sin is within our hearts. We all have to be careful the choices we make in our neighborhood, on our ball team, with, with people in any setting. So it's not like public school is the only place that can infiltrate. It can infiltrate anybody at any time. So therefore, we're all to walk wisely and to be walking around the right kind of people who will help us make wise decisions that honor the Lord instead of getting caught up in foolish uh, friendships that lead us apart from Christ. Turn to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, 6. We've read this already a few times in this series, but train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Again, true for all parents at all times. Absolutely. Whatever school choice you choose, you still have a responsibility that you are training your children in the Word of God. It doesn't say that you must train up your child in geometry. You must train up your child in English. That's not what it says. Train, train up a child in the way he should go. It's talking about the path, just like Psalm 1, the path of righteousness versus the path of wickedness, the path of the Lord versus the path of the world. And so the idea here is that we're to be doing biblical instruction to our kids. Turn to the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here in this great epistle that the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans, he transitions out of hardcore theology into more practical theology, and then he tells them this in verse 2 of chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and what is acceptable, and what is perfect. So absolutely we should be doing that, right? We don't want to be conformed to this world. Just because you go to a public school doesn't mean that you're going to conform to a secular worldview, 
right? You have a responsibility as a Christian, whether you're in homeschool, private school, public school, to have your mind renewed by the gospel of grace, to have your heart clenched with the, with the hand of Christ, that you would want to follow the will of God, which is the word of God. This book is what's to be preeminent in our life, not any textbook of any sort. 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And that's a principle that applies in every setting. It's not, not, not a reason in and of itself to only do homeschool or Christian school. You want to make sure that you're thinking through, again, who you're with, how you act, how you interact in a way that you would be on guard not to allow the company you run with ruin your morals. How about 2 Corinthians 10? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought, or, or take every thought captive to, to obey Christ. So this passage is talking about if you're going to pick a worldview, secular worldview, or a Christian worldview, you're to have a Christian worldview. And anything in any secular worldview that comes in your home, whether it's through public school, private school, Christian school, the news, the media, anything that comes in, you're to digest that and say, you know what, anything that raises up its lofty opinion against God is going down. Anything that comes in that goes against Christ is going down. Because in our home, we're going to exalt Christ in the knowledge of God. And we're going to take captive secular ideologies and bring them under subjection to Christ. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up under the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So discipline, a corrective. Instruction has the idea, again, of nutheteo, putting truth into the mind of. You're putting truth into the mind of your children. That's universal for all fathers. Train your kids to look to Christ, to know the word of God. Don't exasperate them by not being faithful yourself, but be faithful and bring them up to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord. One last one, Hebrews 12, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2.13 says this, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. And so there's a general principle that we're to put our trust in God. We don't put our trust in homeschool. We don't put our trust in private school. We don't put our trust in public school. We put our trust in God and best we can with the Lord's grace and with his help. We are to also take the children that God has given us and hopefully help them learn how to trust in God. So what am I saying with all these verses? Next click on the PowerPoint. These verses emphasize training in righteousness and do not mandate a particular mode of education. I mean, these verses are not explicitly clear that you have to pick a certain choice of education, but rather they do mandate that you as a mom and as a dad are taking your kids to the Word of God on a regular basis, making sure you're aware of what's coming into their hearts and minds, best you can, with the Lord's grace, and point them to God, point them to Christ, point them to the Word of God. And nowhere in the Bible does there, uh, is there, will you find an exclusive command to be homeschooled or to be Christian schooled or to avoid public school. The Bible says that we're to be in the world, but not to be of the world. Next click. Your job as a parent, is to be involved in your child's education and to make sure 
that it, it has a biblical worldview. That's your job. Your, your job as a parent, even if you're a homeschool parent, you obviously are taking great care to hopefully pick the right curriculum because there's a lot of homeschool curriculum out there that doesn't honor God. Right? So you want to make sure you're picking the right curriculum that honors the Lord, and that's your job to be involved as, a, as even a homeschool parent. In fact, did you know that a recent survey showed that out of the 1.5 million homeschoolers in this country, only 25% of them said that the reason they do homeschool was to encourage a personal relationship with Christ. One out of every four homeschoolers said the reason we do this is because we want to know Christ. And so what I'm saying is, is that if you're, a, if you're a homeschool parent or if you're a Christian school parent, you need to know what's going on in your Christian school. Just because it's labeled as a Christian school doesn't mean they know the gospel. There's a lot of Christian schools out there that are punting biblical doctrinal issues to have a wider lens to accept any and all into their school. So just because it has the name Christian behind it doesn't mean, oh, that's good. No, you better listen to what your kids are hearing from your Christian school and know exactly what they're getting at home so you can come alongside them and supplement and provide correction if needed. Certainly, if you're a public school parent, you already know this. You don't expect the public school to teach your kids about God or whatever they do teach about God is going to be wrong, right? So public school parents are already on guard and ready to listen to what is going on. You ought to be grabbing your, your kids' textbooks from time to time and asking them about what they're being lear- learning in history and in, in uh, science, and, and, and then you ought to compare that with biblical resources, starting with the Bible and starting with other resources that you can say, hey, kids, I know you're hearing this, but this is what the Bible says. This is what the Word of God says. In fact, here's a great book we're going to read as a family about creationism or about biblical counseling instead of psychology or about whatever to help us make sure we're, we're getting that particular mode of instruction from the Word of God and not primarily from whatever your public school teacher says. Right? So the second thing I want to say to you about this, this morning, the second major heading would be this. Give thought and consideration as you pray for God's wisdom in exercising your freedom in school choice. And I want to give you a few pros and a few cons in these three major types of school choice, starting with homeschool, right? There's a lot of pros with homeschool. We love homeschooling, right? We have a lot of homeschoolers at our church, and I thank God for that. I think homeschool is awesome. So let me give you a few pros behind homeschool. The first one would be this, or letter A in your outline. There's a lot of flexibility in the schedule, right? It's nice that you can be a little bit calmer and don't have to rush out to school every morning like chaos, Right? It's nice that you can control the schedule to be exactly what you want. When your family wants to go on a vacation, you can go on a vacation even in the middle of the school year. That's awesome. In fact, whenever I'm walking around a theme park or something like that in the middle of the year, I'm like, man, are these all homeschool kids? Uh, your kids ought to be in school. Of course, I took my kids out of school for the day, but um, that's probably what they're doing too, right? But there's a lot of flexibility that goes on with homeschooling. I love the fact that you can do a, uh, you can do a, a field trip whenever you want, at any time. I think that's incredible. So there's a great flexibility with homeschool. Secondly, there's great unity within the family. You don't have three different kids in three different schools. You got all your kids at home. They're all in your school. They're all essentially on the same schedule at the same school. You eat breakfast together. You eat lunch together. You eat dinner together. It's awesome. Great unity. Family experiences ups and downs. You may have the air conditioner break. Or the tires need to be rotated, and you decide we're going to do that in the middle school today because that's what we need to do. And you can teach your kids about life's things. Life's hap- life happens. Let's move on. I, this, the next one would be efficiency in learning. I, I grew up in a public school, <clears throat> and um, I think our school wasted half their time 
just trying to get kids to behave, to stop being silly and deal with discipline in the classroom. I remember one time trying to rally my friends, if you'll just be quiet and listen, then we could be out of here by lunch. Easy, right? But, but, uh, but in a homeschool, you don't have to deal with that. Well, I'm not saying actually your homeschool kids are always listening to you. Are they? You still have to discipline them, but there's not at least as much discipline issue. So it can be efficient and individual attention and tutoring you can give as a parent. You don't have to reteach everything because hopefully what you're teaching is already straight and true with Scripture. Uh, you're able to help children teach themselves. I think in, in public school and some private Christian schools, this happens, but maybe not as much as it does in a Christian school where you're like, hey, look, you read this, you figure it out. And so children begin to be able to kind of teach themselves. You can teach practical skills like cooking and cleaning and working together in the garden or, or in the yard or on the car. Uh, so those things are all efficiency and learning. Uh, the next one would be this ability to limit undesirable exposure. At least to some degree, you can control the environment of who your kids are with. You can promote a certain innocence in your home. You don't have to worry about what they're going to learn that day in health class. Right? So, so there's a particular innocence that can be maintained because you limit that exposure. doesn't mean your kid can't get it from somewhere else. My word, they can get it from the Internet like that. So you still have to be on guard. <coughs> Next pro would be opportunity for spiritual influence. You're able to mentor and disciple your own children with more time with them in the Word and in prayer to give them a biblical perspective from their own mom and dad. That's so valuable, and, 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 and I think it should happen regardless, but certainly in homeschool, that's a neat opportunity. F, affordability as compared to private school. I mean, public school is pretty much free, right? Can't beat that. So there's a cost advantage there, uh, but we're talking about homeschool. Sorry, homeschool uh, I got confused. Forgive me. I'm taking some Sudafed for my cold, and I'm feeling a little out of it. <clears throat> but uh, what I was going to say was this. It doesn't cost, it still costs something, right? But it doesn't cost as much as private Christian schools. So typically, private Christian school would cost a lot, whereas homeschooling would just cost the count of the curriculum. So there is an affordability, possibly, compared to private Christian school. All right, let me move on to the cons, to the cons of homeschool. Some of the cons may be this. Academics may be too casual. It is possible that if, in your, if you're in your PJs all day, that you may not take seriously the lessons that you're learning. I'm just saying it's possible. I'm not saying it happens, but sometimes it can get too casual. The emphasis is placed on certain subjects. Maybe mom's not a gifted teacher in that field. Maybe they miss out on certain labs that would have been available in a school setting. And maybe competition to do better in school is a good thing. If your kid is really apathetic and they're not stirred up to try to make the best grade in the class or at least a better grade in the class, then that could, that could be a good thing. Uh, but in homeschool, you might not have that. It might become too casual. It doesn't matter what grade you make because you're the only student in the class. Uh, many times, students can fall behind, right? You take too many field trips. You took too much time off. And I've talked to a lot of homeschool kids. They're like, man, I got to catch up big time. I'm way behind. Uh, it could promote a lazy schedule. Again, if you get too relaxed in those PJs, you don't start your first class till 1030, you know, could, could be not always a good thing. And I don't think you all do that, by the way. But you know what I'm saying, all right? Next one, it would be potential isolationism and homeschool. It's possible. It's possible that parents could be overprotective. It could be that some of these students are socially challenged to build relationships with others. It's possible. I, I don't buy into the myth that every homeschool kid is socially unable to connect. I don't think that's true. In fact, I, I've seen a lot of homeschool kids who can connect way better than any public school kid or private school kid. But there's a stereotype of that out there, and I have interacted with a number of homeschoolers, and I'm like, uh, I'm not sure if they get it all. 
you know, so not sure. They get it all. That, that could happen anywhere, but I'm just saying that's potential. With the isolationism is also sometimes a lack of evangelism where there's not an opportunity for that kid to mix with other peers and share the gospel with them. It could happen that too much isolation could, could be a deterrent to that. C, it can breed an exclusiveness mentality where some homeschoolers get an attitude and are prideful and have a judgmental spirit towards those who don't choose to do homeschool, think they're kind of copping out because they chose to go the world's way. It's possible. D, limited ability for testing your child's convictions. You may think little Johnny or Sally loves the Lord until they get out of your oversight and you realize some of the decisions they make don't honor God and what you thought you had all along, you just had a Pharisee. Well, sometimes in a public school or even a Christian school setting, you can see that earlier on and maybe address it. So sometimes it's hard to to really test the kid's conviction if they're always sheltered at home. E, be careful that your motive isn't fear-driven. If you do decide to homeschool, which we 100% support you, make sure that you don't do it out of fear of what others think about you. If you happen to be in a context with a lot of homeschool moms, you could be tempted to think, well, if I don't homeschool, all those other moms are going to think I don't care about my kids. And so therefore, I'm going to homeschool because I'm afraid about what they'll think about me. That's the wrong motive to homeschool. Okay, you don't want to do it out of fear. You also don't want to do it primarily out of fear about who may harm your child. You've got to trust God with your child and the livelihood of your child. Even if you're homeschool, something awful could happen to your kid at any moment. In fact, we're in the midst of a case at the previous church where I attended where something awful happened between two homeschool kids, went to a legal case. So it can happen at any moment. We, so we, we don't want to make decisions on fear, is what I'm saying. We want to make decisions based on faith and trusting that we're doing the right thing for our kid that honors the Lord, and it's what's best for us at this point. All right? Last one, last con was it's a possible overload for mom. I've seen a lot of moms do a great job at homeschool, and I felt like they got a D at being a wife to their husband. I've seen a lot of moms who I'd say got an A-plus in homeschool, and I felt like they got an F when it came to evangelism. And so all I'm saying is we just need to be careful, right? The mom's not so wrapped up in homeschool that that's all she thinks about, all she, all she talks about, and it consumes her whole life. She still needs to be a godly wife, a godly mom, involved in her local church, evangelizing the neighbors, being everything that she needs to be in Christ, not just the homeschool moms. So we got to be careful that some, some moms, uh, if they make this decision based on pressure, they get overloaded and they get frustrated real quick because it's a lot of hard work. And so I would commend uh, all of the homeschool moms that are doing it. We love you. Thank God for you. You have a special gift and a special ability to do it. And I am so encouraged by that. But not every mom has that or wants that or desires that. And so we need to give a little grace maybe for those who have some different emphases they want to place as a godly mom and a godly dad. So let let me move on to private school. Let's talk about some pros and cons of the private school sector. Private Christian school is primarily what I'm thinking about. But here, the first one, A, Christian worldview emphasized. In a private Christian school, you have biblical instruction. You're integrating scripture with academics. Uh, That also happens in homeschool, but the idea is it's certainly happening in a Christian school. Uh, There's discipleship from other godly men and other godly women. I don't know about you, but hopefully you want your child to be exposed to other Christians, not just you, but other godly, uh, hopefully, role models, teachers, and principals that love Christ and are unashamed of the gospel. Another pro would be exposure to undesirable influences is limited. Certainly, compared to public school, there's more modesty 
in a private school than a public school, better language in a private school versus a public school, better discipline in how they handle issues, hopefully, hopefully dealing with it biblically, whereas in a public school, that, that's a challenge. And so, uh, so the next one would be this, another pro, provides disciplined environment. Uh, so they're, they're, this would be as opposed to homeschool. For example, in a private Christian school, there's scheduled classes and tests that could be a pro. Students learn from a variety of gifted teachers. Maybe there's a certain teacher that inspires them in the field of, of history or English or math or science or, or medicine or whatever. And, and as a mom, you would have never been able to give that to your kid. But that Christian school teacher just really set your kid's heart on fire to do that particular discipline to the glory of God. Another advantage would be having semesters and holidays can actually be a good thing because you're either in school or you're not. And sometimes homeschool families can feel like we always kind of got that homeschool cloud over me. I've got to get work done even though it's Christmas break. And in some Christian school settings, you can feel like, uh, it's going to take two weeks off. Another possible advantage would be learn to develop leadership and community. Students have the opportunity to participate on sports teams, school plays, uh, to develop school spirit, to sing in a choir. Uh, you can still get a lot of these activities as homeschool kids, but it's just readily available, right, to those Christian schools. That's a good thing. Children growing, developing leadership with their peers. E, another pro would be it allows for parental involvement. Uh, some public schools uh, involve parents, but some are a little bit standoffish. Most Christian schools I've met love the parents. Come on our campus anytime. We love moms and dads being here, and so that's a big positive. Another positive would be you can provide great school trips just for the fact that you've got a whole class that you're going to take to the zoo or to the museum or whatever. You've got camps and sports and the field trips you can take. Those are all pros for a private Christian school. What are some possible cons for a private Christian school? Number one, how about this one, increased cost. That might be the biggest con right at, right at the beginning. You might be like, well, I don't have tuition for a homeschool, I mean, a private Christian school kid, much less I've got five kids. However many you have, you may think there's no way I could afford private Christian school. So that could certainly be a con for you, possibly. B, potentially legalistic. And so the idea uh, is that some Christian schools uh, give excessive rules. Uh, sometimes uh, the issues are addressed. Uh, more than the heart is addressed. And so it could be, why didn't you wear your uniform? Got to wear your uniform. Whereas hopefully they're getting beyond that to the heart of what's going on in your heart about you not submitting to authority. So in some private Christian schools, they could be potentially legalistic about we do this, we don't do this, but they don't explain why. C, possible pride in a judgmental spirit. Again, these Christian school kids could think we're better than public school kids. D, academics can be too challenging. Could be that your kids are up every night till 10 or 11 p.m. doing their homework, and it's a little bit too much. And you're just like, look, I just want my kids to learn a little bit and honor the Lord. You know, they don't have to all go to Stanford. And some Christian schools can have that mindset of we're going to be the best, and it could be a distraction at times. Busier schedule, E, it could be that you're so involved in your private Christian school that you're more involved there than you are at church. And so it becomes your church instead of your church being your church. And so the schedule is so busy with sports and carpooling issues and there's less family flexibility. Spiritual conflict could arise through your next one. It could be that Christian schools water down the gospel and other issues so that they actually have the wrong doctrine. Could be that in a Christian school that your kid gets apathetic because it's all about Christ all the time, and yet people become pharisaical, and so they don't really listen and have deep convictions, and they become hypocrites. I've been in a lot of Christian schools in my day. Some of them have been awesome, and some of them have been like, this is a joke. 
Because I know kids in this Christian school, I'm thinking back to even my peers when I was in Georgia, who were far worse off than the public school kids and how they live life on the weekends. So it could be somewhat hypocritical, right, that you're in a Christian school, but you don't really have Christian convictions. Well, let's move on to the public school. <clears throat> what are some pros and cons? Well, the first pro for the public school is what I said earlier. It's free. All right? Well, they get it out of your taxes, right? But it's free. At least you're not paying that high tuition every semester. Another pro could be, well, there's increased resources and opportunities, especially at a high school level, for all kinds of, of, of very structured labs, academic courses, leadership opportunities, taking certain electives, uh, being involved in sports to a higher degree where you could win a scholarship possibly. And so there's all kind of pros in that uh, possible area of just resources. C, may, may, may be easier to assess spiritual convictions. You can watch your child and see them grow and see what kind of friends they hang out with, what kind of music they listen to, how they're dressing, and you can see the influence of the public world on them, and you have an opportunity to assess that and to address that and have conversations about that and to biblically respond to what you think is going on, and that could be a great teaching tool. D, issues are more black and white. Tends to be in a public school, it's either right or wrong. There's not as much, sometimes in a Christian school, it's kind of like a gray area, but a lot of times in public school, it's like, look, you can either do this or you can't, and it's easier for the child sometimes to discern right from wrong. E, students learn to submit to unsaved authority. That's a, it's an advantage. Most of us, when you get out of school, will work for an employer who might be a non-believer. And if you're raised in a public school, you learn to respect and submit to unsaved believers as your authority and appreciate them for who they are, even if they don't know Christ. That could be a pro. Another pro could be uh, many opportunities for evangelism. My word, in a public school, it is like you are out in the world to win everybody to Christ, and you have an opportunity to build relationships with unbelievers on a daily basis and point them to Christ and stand for Christ and take them to Christ. And it's every day you're on the front lines as a missionary in your school to bring light into darkness. What an incredible pro. I see that as a, an incredible opportunity to be involved in things like that inside of a public school. Now, there's also obviously huge cons. There's huge cons to a public school. It, there's a worldly atmosphere. Public schools are filled with immodesty and with foul language, and with worldly philosophy. And if that child is not rooted in the things of God, it takes a short amount of time for them to be distracted by the things of the world. So we got to be on our guard on a daily basis. If your kids are in public school, B, issues are not addressed biblically. Obviously, all they're getting is a secular worldview. You shouldn't expect for one moment that they're going to come home from your public school and talk to you about creation or about biblical counseling, or about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, or about the penal substitution of Christ, about Christ's imputed righteousness. They'll have no clue. And so you better be ready to address every issue that comes up from a biblical framework. C, academics can be both good and bad. Sometimes I think the academics could be really good when there's more resources and more challenges, but also it could be bad because of all that we're saying, not being a worldview, or you do have lazy public school teachers as well, who just, who just aren't any good. Uh, D, potential negative peer pressure. Obviously, there's the temptation to, to be led astray by their friends. And if, if, if your kid is being led astray in a public school, don't kid yourself for a moment and just think, well, we're going to leave them in there anyway. Now, I've counseled many a parent that you've got to get your kid out 
of that public school because of the nature of what's going on at this point, it would behoove you to remove them from that scenario to be in a better scenario. So certainly there's a, there's a time and place where that may be needed. E, increased danger in some settings. Obviously today, drugs, school bullies, shootings, fights. I mean, you got to go into school with a, through a metal detector these days, right? And so the idea is, is that you want to you wanna just be aware that there is danger in the public school campus. And then last, Bible clubs could be competing with church. Again, it could be the idea that it's so parachurch that it's watered down and not a solid biblical teaching and kids could get, in, get distracted from the truth of God's word, right? So here's the question. If you would acknowledge, I'm sure you could add or take away any of those pros and cons. I give you full liberty, okay? You can add or take away any of those pros and cons. I'm just throwing out some issues that I think generically apply. Now the question is this, D, which is God's way? Which one is it? They all have pros. They all have cons. Is there one choice that you should make that applies to all? I think that you've already heard my answer is no. You could do whatever you want in the freedom of Christ to magnify him for any of these reasons that are given here. There is not one right school choice that applies universally to every person in every situation. What would you say to the, to the working mom who, who can't homeschool her kids because she's a single mom? I mean, so there's just all kinds of situations that come up that you can't say there's only one choice for every person. So regardless of your school choice, parents are to have the most important influence over their children. So at home, take parenting seriously. doesn't matter if your kids are homeschooled, private school, public school. You are responsible I would also say God is not absent from the public school. He's not been taken out of the public school because you have an opportunity, if you're a Christian, to be the light inside of a public school. So what I'm saying is make sure you have the right uh, uh, motivation in doing what you're doing in schooling that you want to please God. Don't make a decision about pleasing others. Don't make a decision about pleasing someone else. But I, I would say if you're a younger parent and you're really stuck, like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to do public school Christian school, we're trying to figure that out. I would encourage you to interview others for what they've done and just ask them why and what they've learned. And I would encourage you that if you're being interviewed, that you don't say it's our way or the highway, that you just explain, well, for us, this is what we do. Here's why. Here's the pros and cons as we see it. I think that would be helpful for our young parents to maybe interview, again, other parents and ask them what they do and why. But let me just caution you about this. Be careful that the decision is made at home between the husband and the wife, okay? The husband is called to be the head of your house. So ladies, as you particularly feel a little bit stronger about this, what would you say to the lady who says, well, I really, really want to homeschool. God told me to homeschool. And your parent, your parent, your husband says, over my dead body, we're sending our kids to public school. What would you do? Your husband is dead set on public school for the reasons he has. You believe God told you to homeschool. I hope you're going to submit to your husband or you have a bigger issue in your marriage where now you've made an idol in your life because you're disobeying God's word by not submitting to your husbands to do homeschooling and you don't care what he says. You follow what I'm saying? Whatever you get, you better come back to your husband and you and him pray together for the wisdom of God to hopefully make a joint decision together deferring to one another in a way that would honor God. Don't let some other lady or some other man, or some other story, or some other experience make you fearful that you've got to do what they did because what happened to you happened to them could happen to you. 
you do what you believe to be best. You trust in the Lord. And I think it would be wise to reevaluate each year what you believe is best for that child on any given year. I've talked to a lot of families who have some kids in public school, some in Christian private school, and some in home school, all at the same time. Because it might be different for each school, each kid at each year of their life. And so let me just end. This is more like our take home, our point three in the outline. It says this, give liberty and grace to one another, especially in areas where your convictions are different in school choice, while at the same time exalting Christ. So let me just say it this way. A, don't criticize others with a judgmental or critical spirit which reeks of self-righteousness and legalism. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. We don't have time to turn to the text because our time's up, but the idea is don't commit the sin of comparison. You live your life before God. You make your decisions based on your conviction of the word of God. And you don't compare yourself to do what you do because others do or didn't do things that you think they should do. We shouldn't always be comparing ourselves or our choices with everyone else. Which is why I appreciated the quote from Charles Swindoll that I included at the bottom of your study guide there. Christians seem especially vulnerable when it comes to comparison. For some reason, which I cannot fully discern, we are uneasy with differences. We prefer sameness predictability, common interest. If someone thinks differently or makes different choices than we do, most Christians get nervous. We have acceptable norms in which we are able to move freely and allow others the freedom to do so, but heaven help the poor soul who steps beyond those bounds. Right? We just think everybody should do the same. And I want us to acknowledge that there's freedom in our church to do homeschool, our private Christian school, our public school according to your desire before God. And don't be comparing yourself to everyone else in a negative way. I wish we had time to turn to Romans 4, 4 through 5, and 8 through 13. It just basically talks about meat sacrifice to idols and the idea that you want to be careful and sensitive to different people's views. But at the same time, you do what you do as unto the Lord and don't become a stumbling block or a hindrance to a brother in Christ based on school choice. This passage about meat sacrifice to idols, I think, applies in principle to where you can either send your kid to public school or you don't have to. But you can't say explicitly it's either sin or not sin. You be faithful to do what God's called you to do. And then I would say this, B, don't crusade for your point of view in our church as the only way to be godly or certainly to be a more mature and a more biblical position. The last thing we want is somebody crusading in our church for their cause. Homeschool moms, please don't say things like this. Well, one day when that mom really matures in the Lord and is willing to sacrifice for her children, she'll homeschool. You say, who would say that? I've heard a lot of moms say that in my life. I'm thankful to say not at this church. But I've heard moms say that when you've really become mature in Christ, then you're willing to sacrifice for your kids, then you'll keep your kids at home and teach them yourself. I would encourage you not to say that. That's that's too strong. That's not biblical to, to, to only have that kind of aura around you that it's somehow only a position of spiritual maturity. Private school, Christian moms, please don't say things like, 
Christian school is the only way to go. And if you really want your child to have a Christian education, then you have to be willing to pay for it. Don't say that. It's not like the public school kid and the homeschool moms don't love their kids. They've just chosen not to spend their money that way, and that's fine. And so don't say if they really love Christ, they would be willing to pay for it and go out and get a second job or sacrifice financially somehow. Public school moms, please don't say anything like this. If these other moms weren't so scared, and if they really cared about evangelism in our community, then they would put their kids in the public school next to mine. Please don't say that. Hopefully, these other Christian moms care about the evangelism of our community. But it doesn't have to always happen in the public school. So I'm saying to moms in particular, because moms seem to kind of be wound a little bit tighter about this subject, okay? So moms, be careful that you don't say things like this and be careful that you don't think things like this. Instead, see in your outline, work hard to cross the lines and to accept one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord who care for each other and love each other. Too often I've seen or heard of homeschool moms who meet public school moms and be like, yeah, we're not going to hang out with that family anymore. They're a public school family. God forbid that you would ever say that about anybody in our church or in our community. For crying out loud, we are to be loving one another and appreciating the differences and the varieties. Instead, ask each other about how it's going at school. So if you're a homeschool mom and a public school mom says, oh, we do public school, instead of being like, well, end of conversation, later, and you go find your homeschool moms, look at that public school mom in the eye and say, what's your kid's teacher's name? What, what, what is your kid learning in school? How could I pray for your kid? How, is it tough for them? Or they got some Christian friends there? You know what? Maybe we can invite your child to invite some of their public school kids over to my house so that we could get to know them and reach them with the gospel of Christ. Wouldn't that be incredible? Instead of saying, well, there's a public school family. We do homeschool. We're not of them. No. Wouldn't it be neat if you as a public school kid didn't look at those homeschool moms and say, well, they just sit around home all day teaching their kids and just, just hanging out. They don't, they're not in the real world. They don't have a, a career. They don't have, uh, you know, they're not really with it. They're just kind of in their, in, their, in their, you know, they don't even put on makeup in the day and they just sit at home. All right. Don't go there. All right? I can go there, but you can't go there. Right? I mean, the idea is, is that you've got to be careful that you love and respect one another. And you should work hard to develop godly relationships with moms that are not like you and to appreciate what they're doing and to encourage them in what they're doing, which ends with this, D, wave high the banner of Christ as your identity and as your passion May you be known for your love for Christ and not for your school choice. What do you mean by that, Adam? Listen to me. If you walk in this church, what do people think of you? And if the first thing they say of you is, oh, here comes the Smiths. I'm just coming up with a common name, right? Here comes the Smiths. There's that homeschool family. If that's the first thing out of their mouth, then maybe you're not living a reputation for Christ enough. You don't want to be known as the public school family, the Christian school family, and the homeschool family. You want to be known as there's that family that loves Christ. There's a mom and dad raising their kids to love Christ. I want to be like that family. I want to get together with that family. 
So if you don't want to be known and identified primarily as a family based on your school choice, you want to be known as a family because of your love for Christ. Listen to me. Don't ride the pony of homeschool, Christian school, or public school. Get off any pony except Christ and wave his banner high. And let people know that Placerito Bible Church is built with families who love Jesus and who have all kinds of jobs and all kinds of schools and all kinds of different liberties that they express to the glory of God. Don't let this church ever boast about anything but Christ. Galatians 6.14, right? Be it far from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hopefully, Christ is more precious to you than your school. Hopefully, Christ is more precious to you than anything else in this world. And school choice becomes a distant thought in comparison to Christ because you're free in Christ to do whatever you want to the glory of God. And we will love you and we will come alongside you, and we will be there for you, and we will uphold you, and we will bond together in the unity of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to just come together and to, to be blessed by a reminder that it's Christ that binds us together, God. We don't want to be known for secondary issues. And, and this, this, this would apply, Lord, not only to school choice, but to so many freedoms. What what we wear and how we talk and where we vacation and what teams we cheer for and what kind of hobbies we have. God, there's so many things that we could apply these same principles. And so I pray that when it comes to school choice here at our church, God, we would love and honor and magnify the risen Savior, that we would have appreciation for the varied differences that exist even in our own church, God, and we would support one another and love one another and be involved with one another and engaged in our culture, in our public school system, in our private school, Christian schools, and also with our home schools, that we would love and serve one another and see our common thread is Christ. Be magnified in this place. Allow us to tear down any wall of division, any type of critical spirit, any type of hindrance, and let us boast about Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.